Welcome to the Possibility Lounge, monthly conversations with some of my favorite healers, dreamers, thinkers, and innovators about how they're dreaming up and living their most liberated lives. I'm your host, Jen Roberts. This month, we're talking to my friend and collaborator, Ashante Renee, principal of the Axon Group and founder of the Susu House. Ashante and I are true pandemic friends. We met virtually on a social app over a year ago and have built a friendship that has allowed us to collaborate on a few projects together, most recently being our Sister Circle Sunday series in the lab. In this episode, Ashante talks about finding her own personalized spiritual practice after her divorce, embracing her healing journey, and how she's working to make healing accessible and cost-free for Black and Brown women and femmes through the Susu House. So grab a drink and a journal, find a comfy spot, and listen in. This is The Possibility Lounge. Hi, Ashante. Hi, Jen. I'm very excited to have you today. I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be fun. Um, We have a few things to talk about, but um, what I'm most excited for people to learn about are all the different ways that you're healing and heal, helping to heal others um, and the things that you're doing um, to advance that um, by doing what you love um, with, the, with people that you love. Um, so um, we're going to start today with the question that I always ask everyone on my show when we start, which is, what is your origin story? Like, how did you become the Ashante you are today? Jim, that that's such a good question and such a hard question to answer. I've been sitting with that question. I don't, I don't know. Um, when I really, what is my origin story? Okay, can I be? Let me. I'm. I'm gonna be real. Um, when I really sit with that question, I realize I'm actually rewriting my origin story. Like if I want to be completely real, like part of my healing work is rewriting my origin story. Um, You know, we're born with like such beautiful, powerful, gifted components of ourselves. And then the world happens, right? Um, And then, you know, what gets imprinted on us is others' trauma, others' expectations, others' attempts to protect us. our own trauma, our own experiences, what's, what we're conditioned to understand, uh, what tradition says, depending on where you are. And so I'm realizing just because it was the original story I told myself, doesn't mean it's my actual origin story. And so part of my healing work, when you ask like, how did I become the Ashanti I am today? I think it's starting to realize my origin story or the story I told myself about my origin may not be correct. Some of what I've been saying about myself, not so much my experiences, but some of what I've been saying about myself may not be right. Mm-hmm. And so I have to kind of do some unpacking and unlearning and releasing and letting go and returning some of those identities and understandings to whoever they belong to, that <laughs> whoever gave them to me because I don't want them anymore. Um, and kind of parsing that out, like my identity is like, I am a woman, I am a black woman, I am a sister, I am a daughter I am a good friend I am you know what I do for a living like all those are pieces of who I am but in terms of 
how I got to be where I am and who I am today, my experiences that have made me this person, the, 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 the self-talk that I have that has made me this person, which has allowed me to try or not try things, which has made me this person. I am unlearning and relearning. So I'm actually still in the process of discovering my origin story or I'm, I'm, re, I'm either rewriting it or returning to it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't quite figured out which one yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that would be interesting to hear more about how you feel about that when you learn or feel more. Like, is it a return to or is it a rewrite? Um, or a little bit of both. A little bit of returning, a little bit of rewriting. Um, uh, both and. Yes, you know, I love a both and. Um, <laughs> so um, if you think about thinking of going with that, then like understanding that this is something you're realizing, huh, this this might be different for me now than it used to be. Is there a pivotal like moment in your life so far that you can look at, and it might not be just one, but it, just one that maybe you remember um, that you can look at and say like, oh, okay, that was a turning point for me. Like that was a moment when I said, okay, um, I'm gonna go in a different direction. And I think this is <laughs> the right direction to go in. You know, like, is there any any moment or moments, you know, like in your life where you feel like that happened for you? When I think back, there were probably quite a few that, kind of started revving me up for this pivot or for this change or for this shift. Um, I would say the last one that just kind of had me turn the corner, like we getting, we getting real, real right now. Um, The, the major one that had me turn the corner and really start looking at things differently and asking myself questions I'd never asked before would probably be my divorce that was a beautiful beautifully messy beautifully complicated experience um and you know deeply painful deeply cathartic deeply eye-opening deeply purging you know all all of the things and so when I think back like there had been moments where things were happening that were leading up to that pivot and that change um and the divorce was the one to be like okay mm-hmm. stop it all mm-hmm. who are you because that's a major like oh I've been this identity for this long yeah. now who am I yeah and so when I started asking myself well who am I it became something across the board. Um, and if you allow it to, and don't get me wrong, it hurt, it was hard, it right. was work, it was all the things. Um, and I also think sometimes two people just don't need to be in that type of relationship mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Like both people bring things to it and it's like, okay, we both learned a lot. If you told me it was going to end the way that it ended um, before we got married, I would do it all over again because yeah. I would legit love the person that I am right now. And part of it is because of that relationship. And part of it is because of that divorce. Um, Because in that divorce, it allowed me to not just divorce that entity, um, like that, that entity and that everything connected to marriage and not just a person, but like everything connected to that, but it allowed me to start divorcing things that really weren't mine, (laughs) things Mm -hmm. that I'd been told, but I didn't necessarily believe things that I had been conditioned to understand and accept 
But when I thought about it, I was like, I don't, I don't, that doesn't actually serve me. That actually doesn't align with who I am. And so I was able to begin to divorce a lot of things that did not align with me, mm-hmm. which required a lot of, oh, wait, so that's not who I am. That's not my, well, well who am what I? What is it? I'm, yeah. I'm checking off all these, <laughs> what is what's left? It's like hoarding, right? It's like, you know, in those hoarding shows, like the emotional hoarding, they're like, you're going to take everything. Yeah. You know, and at one point I was like, well, most of it probably needs to go. Mm. It was, that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. And sometimes best doesn't mean comfortable. It means um, powerful and profound. So I would say that was the beginning of, I guess, rewriting my origin story and Mm -hmm. actually asking the question, well, who are you? And then more importantly, well, who do you want to be? It's so much harder to answer. Yeah. It's so like we're we're taught not really to answer that or like answer it with control. Or answer like, within a box. Who do you want to be? Right. Who do you want to be within these three choices? Mm-hmm. Um, and these three options we've preset for you. And you're like, I don't actually like any of these, of these choices. And so it's scarier because when you mess up or mess up is a very in- when you learn a lesson because you do something, mm-hmm. you can't blame anyone but yourself, right? If if you stay on a particular blueprint or a particular path, you're like, oh, well, it's because of this or this or this. But when you really start to learn who you are yeah. and figure out who you are and start to realign um, and ask yourself those tough questions, if it doesn't go according to plan, because, you know, spoiler alert, it's never going to go. It's never going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, what did I do wrong? I made a mistake. I did something. And you're like, no, you didn't. That's mm-hmm. just part of the healing journey, right? That's part of the work. I think you and I have talked about this before. A lot of the times people think healing is a place where you arrive. Like right. it's ED. Like I've healed. I am healed. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, sis. Let me tell you what, it's not an arrival. <laughs> like <laughs> it, is it is an a journey. It is healing. It is a whole journey. It's an ever evolving journey. And so once I started to be more comfortable with that and accept that, um, it became easier to, one, be cool with not having the answers to Mm -hmm. all the questions I started asking. And two, being okay when I was human. Like, yeah, I'm doing healing work. Yeah, I'm working on myself. And sometimes I'm still petty. Yeah. And I'm choosing (laughs) to be petty. And, And that's just what it is. But at least I know why I'm being petty. I know yep. what's going to happen, the consequences when I'm petty mm-hmm. and I'm able to accept them. And I know how to take care of myself when I've done something petty versus mm-hmm. before. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I got here. I don't know. Nah, I know. I know what I did. I did it. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to earn that butt whooping, but that's still healing. That's still yeah. because you still have, you're still taking power or taking your power back and reclaiming your autonomy and your agency. I don't know if I answered your question, but I mean, you answered it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, <laughs> you know, as somebody who has uncoupled myself, I never thought I would use that word, but I do feel like it's the most appropriate word to describe I actually like um, that word my so situation. Um, I think when uncoupled. I first heard, um, I think it was like Gwyneth Paltrow and them said it when they like broke up or something like that. And I was like, uncoupling, what the heck is that? But like, <laughs> once I started, you know, the process myself, I was like, no, like when you do it with respect and love and care and you're like, you can come to the conclusion that like, even if there were things that happened that led up to it that weren't so care given, driven or love, you know, driven from love. If you can find yourself in that place when it comes to the time to say, hey, like we could be better people apart. 
I think uncoupling describes that well, right? Like it's, it was love and care in the decision. Um, And especially having a child, there's love and care in that decision. Um, But I think something like that does shake you and it shake. And if you let it, it will shake you into a better person, like not a bitter person, Mm -hmm. not like someone who is like, I'll never find love again or whatever. You realize that like, like you said, like, oh, what are all these messages that I convinced myself were the ones that were true? What are all the things I left behind? Um, And even if that person didn't necessarily directly impact you leaving them behind, you realize, I think in a marriage, you realize how much, how easy it is for you to let go of yourself just because you think that's what the other person would want you to do. Even if they haven't asked, they haven't said anything, but it's just like, oh, let me make this easier. You know, let me let this part of myself go because it rubs this way or whatever. And you wake up one day and you're like, who the heck is this person? Right? Who is this person? And so I think hearing you, other women I know who have chosen to, you know, leave long-term relationships, whether marriage or not, um, most of us have, that is what we realized that like we needed a moment to remind ourselves and come back to who we were. And once we came back to that person, we like her too much to let her go for some BS. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, you got to come correct because the new person is just a different, in a different place. And so yeah. that's a so pivot. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be this person if we didn't go through that. Yeah. Right. There's there's no way I would be who I am or ask the questions I'm asking or give myself mm-hmm. the grace I'm giving myself or actually, you know, get comfortable with my humanity. Like she sits right here. Like, oh, okay, that's what we <laughs> You taking up a lot of room right now. I need a little yeah. Um but being able to be in that, um, yeah. there's no way I would have been able to do that if I didn't go through the relationship I went through. Yeah. Um, before I uncoupled, I'm going to start saying that any <laughs> relationships I went through before that, be it mm-hmm. intimate, romantic, like all of them, right? Like they yeah. help get you to a particular point. So yeah, it, I really mean when I say like, if you had told me I, the day I met this person, divorce is an option here. Like this is how it's going to end. And these things will come from it. I'm like, oh, still sign me up. Yeah. Still sign me yeah. up. Because yeah. I'm so grateful. I'm at a point like I'm so grateful for that experience and mm-hmm. all the other ones that, you know, were hard at moment, pushed me at moment, had me on the floor in tears at moment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. me, you know, returning to the people who were closest to me at moment, yeah. finding myself again at moment, you know, mm-hmm. on the floor in underwater <laughs> in the loom <laughs> in the ocean at moment. Like, yes, come it's, on. It's been beautiful. It's, it's been beautiful. And beautiful doesn't always mean easy but it still means beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's it right there. I think, uh, a reminder of, uh, it not always having to be easy, but if you're honest with yourself, it is a really beautiful experience to like shed the old and find the new, um, or at least try to dream up the new in some form or fashion. Um, so let's go from there then. And think about, I want to touch on spirituality because this is something we talk about a lot um, when we're having, when when things come up, both our uncouplings and spirituality come up in our conversations quite a bit. Um, And so (laughs) 
I think I, I don't know if everybody knows that you spent some time in the ministry, like a little bit. Yeah. And yes. um, and so I am curious <laughs> about how you found your own authentic spiritual practice as a black woman, like especially growing mm-hmm. up churched, being then in the ministry, because we both have that in common, growing up churched, then you know, like in your case, going into the ministry for a bit. Like, what does that how did you, I guess is the better way to say that, how did you find your own authentic spiritual practice as a Black woman and integrate all the things um, that you feel mm-hmm. like were important in that journey? <laughs> that's a big question. That is a <laughs> okay. Mm. It's so different. We're like, we now recorded. Oh, we recorded. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, listen, oh. you know, we all, <laughs> tell all the truths, girl. Tell yes. all the truths. <laughs> but we, we can get My rid of anything piece. you don't we, Right. We can get rid of anything that you uh, would like us to get rid nah, of. Y'all just keep it. <laughs> keep it all. Anything I say in private can be said in public because <laughs> I don't, I have the memory of Dory. I'm going to forget it eventually. So <laughs> I got to stay real and true. I'm, did I say that? That sounds like me. That sounds like me. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, it has been a, who oh girl, we just gonna name it. It's been a journey. It has been a, uh, a it has been a, a journey. Um, so yes, I worked in ministry for about seven years. I was a minute. I worked in the church for about seven years. I was also a minister behind the pulpit, you know, saying the things, doing the things exergeting the text, um, all, all of that. And again, I, I am now at a point where I can appreciate every experience for what it was, for what it taught me, for the areas where I really, my gifts really shine for my, for my growth, for the areas that expose my immaturity for the growth. Um, and I think that was part of not so much the divorce part, but the pivot piece when I did end up getting um, uncoupled. I'm just going to start saying that. I like that more now. There was a God, what happened? Like what, what happened, you know, and not getting into much, you know, to, to his side of the story. Cause you know, still very, so much respect for him, you know, as a person and his story is his story. And so what I can say is, I, you know, met in a church, mm-hmm. kicked off all the things, went to church together, worked in ministry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so we did all the things that you said. Yeah. How are we here? How <laughs> is this hurtful for both of us? How are we both unhappy in this arrangement? How, how, how? And we'll be on the floor crying like, okay, I'm doing the devotionals. I'm praying in the morning. I'm fasting. I'm checking this stuff out. Nothing is like what's happening, you know? And really being angry at God for a while, like really, really being angry at God for a while and being so angry that I didn't care that I was angry. Because a lot of times we're like, oh, I can't get mad at God. I can't get mad at God. I can't get mad. God ain't worried about us like that. Like (laughs) it's, if you've ever, like (laughs) if you keep it in the, you know, God is the father figure, the mother figure, if you think about a child, when they get mad, you know they're getting mad for the moment. You're not going to hold on to it forever. Like, God created a universe on universe on universe. They can hold your temper tantrum. 
and they can hold your anger. They can hold all of it. And I got to a point where I'm like, I don't even care that I'm mad. I don't care what they say in the book of Job. I'm pissed. I feel betrayed. I feel angry. I feel untethered. I feel um, disconnected. I and, and it wasn't, you know, you couple that with church hurt that comes up being in a church and working in a church and um, going behind the veil and seeing the humanity of other people and learning how to not overreact to the humanity of others. And so it, it really, initially it started from this place of, you know, very binary, very black and white. Well, this can't be it because this can't hurt like this and I'm not getting a response and you're saying nothing. So what else is there? What else is out there? And that was such a beautiful journey to begin on. It kind of felt like the alchemist a little bit. I was like, well, it can't be this anymore. So it has to be something, something else. else. Right. And so I, was, I wasn't incorrect, but I was incomplete in mm. my thought. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't necessarily, like, it, there was something else. But it was something else to add to. Yeah. And so that journey began of, one, really developing my own spiritual relationship mm-hmm. with God, with spirit with you know some people say universe um ancestors all of that Mm -hmm. it began this this search for what gives me peace what right now just in this dark space what makes me feel tethered to Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. right and initially that was water Mm. and that was nature and the only time I didn't feel like my mind was going a million miles a minute and I wasn't blaming myself for everything under the sun. And I wasn't in the middle of, you know, a recovering perfectionist moment was yeah. water. Mm. And so from that water, it got me asking more questions around um, well, what is about water that's so comforting. And then that took me to learning more about um, Orishas. And then that, you know, and so I started to do more research just around um, indigenous traditions and African mm-hmm. traditions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I would notice my body, which, you know, show up a certain way um, or I feel a certain way or respond or react a certain way. And when I ate or drank certain things, I would feel differently. And so then I started finding out about different herbs and teas and, you know, I'm drinking some rose and cardamom tea right now. Cause I was so nervous to start talking to you this morning. <laughs> And I needed to calm myself down and finding out like what herbs actually like can oh, yeah. aid in that and change your nervous system and like mm-hmm. impact you that way. Um, I met a black astrologer, which first I was like, I didn't know there was a lineage of black astrologers. Oh, yeah. You never get to see us. And so yeah. I started asking, you know, about my charts and stuff like that. And the way these people knew me without knowing me, I, I at first I was offended. I was like, so you're rude and you're a hacker because you should not know my life like that bump you no okay but there was something there right and so it helped the question I started to answer was who am I and then I explored some stuff around human design and it helped me to learn a little bit more about myself in that way and so what I realized was the spirituality it's interesting because we think uh, the first now go back to the biblical stuff when Someone first asked, who are you? They asked God, who are you? God says, I am. I am. I am. Just, I am. That's it. Yeah. And I and I believe part of the work that we have, we have to start out asking is, well, who am I? Because mm-hmm. there's such a confidence in the I am 
we're over here like, well, who am I? Mm -hmm. And so I started to learn who I was. I started to learn more about why I showed up a particular way. Mm -hmm. Um, Why, based on my birth order, on what time I was born, what year I was born, what, how I showed up in the world, why I responded the way that I did. And what I started to do was to make sure I didn't take it as gospel. I didn't Mm -hmm. make it prescriptive. And I think that's sometimes where we get very Pharisaic because we need something to tell us who we are. So we can put it off on that when we, you know, show up our not best selves or our most Mm -hmm. human. Oh, I'm an I'm an ENFT. So, you know, I just can't help it. I said, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Yes. I'm a Leo, you know, sometimes that's, that's just how you know, <laughs> so many more things. Um, yeah. And so it became a, a way where I actually started to gather all of these parts and all of these pieces of me to better understand who I am. And I think that's actually beautiful because we are this full spiritual being you call it God, you call it spirit, you call it ancestor. Like you just look at flowers. Like God created so many different types of flowers to live in so many different types of environments, to sustain so many different types of seasons for a reason, because there are so many paths to return to God, to return to, or to get to I am, right? Where we can get to a point where we can say, I am. I am. Think about it, right? Think about it in a church. Um, so you have different kinds of preachers. I was not the fire and brimstone say the thing. <laughs> I can't I can't carry a note or a tune. I can't pick it up. I can't carry a note. <laughs> so I was not, I was not that kind of preacher. My friend Vicente Coatney, who is a, an amazing, amazing uh, minister, this man can sing his face off. And mm. so he would come in and close out singing, singing, churching. That it was, it was amazing. And there was a group of people, there was a demographic of people that needed to hear the word in that way, right? There is a demographic of people that needed to hear the word in the way where I preach, where it was like, we're sitting in the living room and we're having a conversation. And I'm telling you about, so this is what I learned. I don't know if it'll help you or not, but this is what I learned, yeah. you know? And then there's other ways that people teach and talk because there's so many different ways people receive messages because we've mm-hmm. been created so differently. So why in our healing and why in our spirituality wouldn't there be all these other gifts and ways that people can return to their healing? Yeah. You know, if God gave people the gift of, let's say, prophecy, hospitality, leadership, like God also gave people the gift of astrology and the yeah. gift of mediumism, you know, mediumship yeah. and all these other, you know, priestess and priests, like all those are gifts Yeah. and spiritual gifts of God. Now we've, and from a Westernized perspective, we've demonized. Mm-hmm. quite a few of them and so then you kind of start asking well why mm-hmm. why not this one why mm-hmm. is this, why is this so wrong let me do it like this but if you think about it you know a prayer really is a spell like mm-hmm. you were saying a thing yeah and and acting you know, as if and believing it'll be so and believing it'll believing it to be true when you have photos of your grandparents and your great grandparents, like they have them all up on the wall. That is an altar to your mm-hmm. ancestors. Like, yeah, all, there's a reason that some of that is still in us. We just aren't, we're, we're disconnected from how it's all actually really connected. And so I started to actually ask myself, what does my spirituality actually mean? What, what gives me joy? What gives me peace? What helps me heal? And I had to release the shame around thinking I had betrayed my Christianity. Mm, that part. Because as, right. Because as Black people, to be totally honest, 
particularly Christianity, that, that kind of became our country club. That was a place where we could, like there's a beautiful book called The Present Future. And it actually talks about how the church has become a country club, um, particularly for the black and brown people, because that was the only place we had power. That was the only place we could be in charge. And so our Christianity is often wrapped up in so much more than just our spirituality. It's wrapped up in our identity. It's wrapped up in our internalized oppression. It's wrapped up, you know, in our, our desire to see ourselves in a very particular way. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped up in our desire to return to ourselves. And mm-hmm. so when I, I had to realize I am not betraying the church, I'm not betraying God. If I'm being open to all these other ways, I can mm-hmm. show up as the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. I am just now tapping into all these different gifts without minimizing one of them. I think a lot of times like, well, it has to be this one or that. I'm like, actually, no, Both I'm a buffet kind of girl. Both and either yeah. or it's false. And so there's parts of Christianity that's like, yes, okay, absolutely. I get it. I hear the tenets of that. There's parts of, you know, other religions where I'm like, that sounds a lot like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see where all this is coming together. But the biggest piece around the spirituality component is being very honest and real about like, what do you need spiritually to ground you and keep you tethered mm-hmm. to something? And whatever that looks like for you, let it look like that for you and be open to what it might evolve in. And most importantly, don't judge someone else yeah. if their spiritual practice and journey may look from an external perspective different from yours because you don't know what God is doing mm-hmm. in them. And people may not call it God, you know, they may call it something else. They may consider it nature, but whatever it is, whatever it is that is helping people to be a better version of themselves mm-hmm. and to be a more healed and whole version of themselves, that requires a higher being. Mm-hmm. Call it what you want, put it in the package you want to put it in, right. label it what you want to label it, do the A and B selection. <laughs> if it's making you and encouraging you and inviting you and holding you while you are becoming a better version of yourself because mm-hmm. healing ain't easy. Healing is hard. That's why a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. So if whatever this spiritual thing is, is keeping you tethered and keeping you motivated to be a better version of you, keep doing it. Keep that. doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that okay. is, I think that <laughs> now you're preaching, see, uh, <laughs> uh, that I think what you said about, not feeling the shame or feeling like you're betraying the church when you make a choice to integrate other things or call in things that other things to bring into your practice is huge. Cause I think that's what shoot all of it, the anger with God, the, you know, trying to figure out how you hold on to the things, very, the things you respect about particularly the black church um, and understand mm-hmm. about the historical significance of the black church um, and yet still be able to critique that place as a place that caused harm, that caused doubt, that gave messages that I'm not so sure are the way that God would have intended those messages messages to be delivered, that created spaces mm-hmm. that we didn't feel protected, particularly as Black women, or that we mm-hmm. felt like shame was our is our thing to carry because we would have to carry it while the men continue to go about their business when they, whenever anything, you know, like happened. So I think that, you know, all of those things and the dissonance you feel when you, you know, are trying to reconcile what you grew up with. And in my case, and I think maybe yours too, like 
what my mother, my grandmother, that grand, my great grandmother, what they engaged in and like what they taught me. And so it's like this whole, how do I, how do you balance like making sure that the people who you love and care about and who raised you know that like I'm not abandoning these things because it has anything to do with you, but that it mm-hmm. is more that I am learning and growing about what tethers me, holds me, supports me, helps me heal. And like you said, show up as a whole person. And I think looking mm-hmm. at it like that, I hope would help folks take the guilt off if they're in this place right now where they're experimenting with deciding what spirituality looks like for them, which I think the pandemic causes a lot of people, a lot of us to do because we could not go mm-hmm. to church every Sunday or, right. you know, maybe you, you know, like in my case, I had just gotten to the point where church buildings were not doing it all. They weren't doing enough for me, mm-hmm. you know, like. Um, and so I, I think like reminding ourselves that it's about whatever is going to help us show up as a better version of ourselves. I like the way you put that. Um, and what gives you peace and joy in that and whatever Mm -hmm. integrations or practices that is, you know, Mm -hmm. or those are, you know, are going to bring you closer to God. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about the church, it is community. Mm-hmm. It is a place where you're the majority. Mm-hmm. It is a place that on surface and in some instances you feel safer. Mm-hmm. It is a space where you don't have the code switch. Mm-hmm. Like why would that not? Hopefully. And hopefully. Hopefully. Well, a different kind of code <laughs> a switch. A different kind of code switch, right? right. Racially code, code switching, switching you might not have to do. Right. You don't right. have to do racial code switching, but you mm-hmm. know, good and well, you was out last night. And you got <laughs> <laughs> now you're sitting here <laughs> with the prayer cloth on your lap. You know, it's you know, it, it, that's a whole nother, that's a whole, yeah, nother whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, but there is something to say about that sense of community, and I yeah. think all of that gets wrapped up in there together, and so it becomes spirituality. What do you need for yourself spiritually, and what do you need for yourself in community? community? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they mix, sometimes they cross, sometimes yep. it's both, but it isn't always required to be that yeah and I think as people start to expand what they need from a spiritual place they are starting to pull them apart a little Mm -hmm. bit and so they kind of can do this versus always having to be locked in right um but the part around your parents like you're not a bad mom you're not a bad dad because because your your child is not a heathen like I'm not a heathen (laughs) out here expanding who I am Mm -hmm. um and that requires work because it forces them to sit in their own stuff Mm -hmm. around what was I a bad mom or what did that mean or what comes up for them or I've had questions too but I've ever never actually asked how dare you ask questions I didn't ask Mm. I'm proud Mm -hmm. of you for asking questions I didn't ask but now I'm scared for you yeah um, because I don't know what this means but again remember when I said at the very beginning a lot of the stuff I am realizing is not mine Mm-hmm. It has been imprinted on me, but it don't belong yes, to yeah. me. So some of that is also like I'm gonna t- return that to sender too. Mm-hmm. I love you, and you you can return. We can return. You can that. have that. Yeah, you can have that back. I don't have space for that. And you know that's where I love uh, our sister church uh, so much <laughs> in the last because <laughs> right. I because I do feel like it has become a place of both community and spiritual connection, even though it is not religiously based. Right. And so it just shows how much God can show up in any place where people are gathered trying to be their best selves. Um, 
And so that's exciting um, mm-hmm. to me to be reminded of that spaces like that can exist. Um, and you can do a little bit of all of those things um, when you're in community with people who are willing to like see you as your best self, sometimes even before you do, you know. Probably most of the time. Probably most of the time, exactly, before you do. Before you see. And I think that, you know, that brings us to wanting to hear a little bit more about what you got cooking and coming up. Like, I know we are having a series that comes up in April to talk more about what we just talked about, like how you build your own, you know, authentic spiritual practice, as particularly as a Black woman. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to hear more about Susu House. Tell the folks about Susu House. What's happening? What that? What it means to come to the house? Um, what comes and, to the house? Right. What it means um, and what you'll be launching. Um, by the time this podcast airs, it would have launched. So, like, what you'll be um, launching for mm-hmm. us in the in the coming months? Susu um, House. So I am a Southern girl through and through you may hear it a couple times I just heard it just now on the (laughs) while while we're on the podcast um I'm a Texas girl all day all day every day um and so one of the things that my mom that was so vivid in my mind is my mom always inviting people to the house you know there was after church we're talking about church like oh come to the house oh you need to come by the house oh you need a break come over to the house or child empowered, I'm going to the house. <laughs> what you doing today? I'm, it's a chill in the house kind of day. There is something about the house. There is something about the home that feels safe. Um, if you're lucky, if you're privileged for it to feel safe, right? Um, maybe your actual home may not feel like that, but there is a sanctuary space. There's a refuge space that feels like home, that feels safe. Uh, I moved around a lot growing up like every single year up until fifth grade. So I was always a new kid. So home has a very interesting, I have a very interesting relationship to the word home. Uh, And so this home and this house is the community, the gathering, the place where you can get folded into, the place where if you need a moment, oh, you having a temper tantrum, go in the back room. It's cool. We got extra room in the house. Let's go in there go back there. We're going to gather here. We're going to eat over here. We're going to learn over here. We're going to take naps over there, you know. And so Susu, you know, as you know, is, um, an African and uh, Caribbean based form of um, like a financial savings um, circle, like a giving circle. And where it's the, the tenant of it or the premise of it is no one is ever really going without because we're all pouring in. We're all giving something so everyone can get. Um, so Susu, has, or Susu is also a language. And so it's not just a way of engaging, it's also a language. And so I created Susu House it, it has been a two-year journey to get it to this point. Our theme is um, healing is our language and time is our currency. And so we talk to each other through healing. We engage each other from a lens and from a posture of healing. Um, and time is our currency. We're not trading money, but we're trading time. That's something you can't get back. Like we're trading engagement and time with each other. I am a LMSW, so a practicing therapist. Well, right now I have my own coaching firm, but was a practicing therapist. And one of the things that was so hard to to reconcile was, you know, as a Black woman, a lot of Black women are now coming to therapy and they now want to see therapists, but they want to see someone that looks like them. And so during the pandemic, it was like, and here you go. 
caseload, go, all the people, right? And you don't want to turn them away and you don't, because you're like, yes, sis, so happy you're here, but then we're getting exhausted and we're getting burned out because now everyone's finally like getting the courage to try and like tap into and start engaging in their healing. And from a financial perspective, some people can't afford the sessions. What do you, like, you, you can't, you just can't afford it, but it doesn't mean you don't deserve the healing. And as a practitioner, you can't lower your prices anymore because you also have bills. And so that's where this idea of healing equity needed to come in. And that's what Susu House was created for, to create and foster healing equity and healing access. And so it's connecting healers, practitioners, and community to each other without the financial burden or barriers that often happen um, so people can't do so. It is also a way in my own, own healing journey that I was like, I was so blessed to be introduced to all these different healing modalities, right? To be introduced to yoga and not like the Lululemon yoga, but like indigenous yoga, like actual breath work, somatic work yoga, um, to uh, Reiki work, mm -hmm. to energy work, to human design, to black astrology, to astronomy, you know, to um, herbalism, to yeah. all these, you know, with Karen Rose, who is, she is beyond Karen she's she's amazing from sacred vibes apothecary absolutely amazing um and but I had to find these things on my yeah. own right and kind of put them together and, and create my own little you know healing space you mm -hmm. know Harriet's apothecary like I had to create my own little healing space find my own healing community and pockets and so what I'm creating is something so people don't have to struggle the way that I did yeah one and so at the Susu House, we're bringing the healers, practitioners, and community together. Uh, one, so people can start to tap into what their spirituality might look like in different mm -hmm. spaces, in different realms, and test out, you know, different modalities that may mm -hmm. benefit them that they may never have been exposed to or they never mm -hmm. had the courage to get curious about before. And so we, we do second and fourth Thursday. Uh, we have a practitioner come. One of the Thursdays we have um, a, a healer come, and I don't want to say alternative healer because that word still feels like othered. So just a healer and some modality come another Thursday and people can sign up. Anything you come, anytime you come to my house, anytime you come to the Susu house, everything is free. Um, it's free to the public at all times. And so you come to the house and it's virtual right now. You get to hear about what that person or that astrologer or that healer or that um, energy worker actually does for a living. And you get an opportunity to talk to them and ask them questions and engage with them. And they talk back with you and, you know, they share what they're doing. There's, there becomes a human connection there and you've got to get to test that out and see what it feels like and see what feels right without any pressure. The other side of that is as a practitioner that comes in and shares that we pay them as Susu House. So no one ever, we don't do the, it's for exposure or help out your community girl or, you know, give them the hookup. Nah, mm -mm, we not, we're not going to do that. We become the middleman in that space. And so when you come for our, our second and fourth Thursday, therapy Thursday engagement, it's always free to learn about what someone is doing, learn about different modalities, all the healers that come in, I want them to be able to, you know, expand their platforms, expand their exposure, normalize what it's like to do healing in different ways um, through different mediums. And so getting that normalized in a very real way and honoring the gift and the practice that they have by paying them their rate for that night and that time. Uh, we also, 
And so that, that's like a really, really big piece for me. The other part of it is if, you know, we have a, a program set up where X number of people after you've had that event and you've got to experience them and you want to go, you know, um, maybe try it out, you actually can apply for a scholarship where you can get up to a 50% discount to work with that person. And so you get the discount as a person coming in to learn about the healing, but we pay that 50% difference to the practitioner so they don't have to compromise their their work or their skills. So again, healing equity, everybody gets what they need and everyone gets the support that they need because people are like, oh, we just got to do some healing. People don't have the privilege, the time or the resources to heal the same way. So what we're here to do is to close that gap. Um, we also do restorative retreats where the retreat is completely paid for. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is show up again, removing the barrier uh, for people to take those moments, to take a break, to rest, to reset, because everyone financially can't afford to, yeah, to do that, take time off. Right. And then as it relates to people who may not be salaried, they may be hourly set up something where if you have to miss so many days of work, how we can be support to you yeah. in that way, because the goal is about returning to healing. Um, so we have the restorative house that does the retreats, the healing house uh, that has the events that we do uh, where we're connecting healers and practitioners and also vendors who are connected to healing work. And I consider like anyone who's a black owned vendor, <laughs> you're doing healing work, <laughs> whoever you are, candles, teas, kimonos, jewelry, whatever, you know, clothing, whatever it is, you still a healer because we get to wear something that looks like us and it feels like ours. Um, so you have the restorative house, the community or the healing house. And lastly, you have the um, community house. And that's the one where we are going to be doing rolling grants out to healing organizations, healing nonprofits and healing individuals and entities because the current philanthropic model isn't set up to support healers. It's set up to support traditional social justice reform because I've been in it for almost two decades. Yeah. But people don't consider healing equity and healing work social justice reform. No. So we're no. like, cool, you don't want to do it? We'll do it. So we're actually going to start doing rolling grants um, for healers to apply. And very apply is like put your name and your email. In the hat. <laughs> in the hat. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not doing all this extra metric. Prove what you're going to use it for. Right. I, when you take, when you take you. the plate away yeah. from the house, go eat it how you eat it. Give it to somebody else. Do what yeah. you do. When you take leftovers from the house, they're yours. Yep. So go. Um, so those are the three homes um, in the Susu house. The restorative house, which is the all paid for retreats or partnerships with people to reduce the cost on retreats. The healing house where we do events where we're connecting healers, practitioners, to people in the community at little to no cost. Um, to folks and giving them an opportunity to engage those further and creating exposure to do so while paying all the people who mm-hmm. come in to do any of the work and the community house where we're actually going to be giving money back to the community, um, to those healers who need that support and that help. Yeah. So. I'm very excited about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's such a great idea. And I do think that um, it's a really difficult place to be in or interesting maybe um, place to be in when you're trying to do this type of work, get money for it, pay your bills. You know, like it is because like you said, I've had the same issue. Like it's really hard trying to figure out how to get money from the 
philanthropic world right now if you do this type of work um the metrics mm-hmm. don't line up the way they want them to and like you know it's more qualitative than quantitative and everybody doesn't want to get down with that and so um hearing that there will hopefully be what I hope people get from Susu House, like as they're getting their resources from there, I hope other people see what's happening and realize how important it is to be able to provide resources and money, not just like come do this internship or come do this shadow or come do this fellowship that takes a bunch of your time, but actually doesn't really pay you any money. Like, no, like money to be able to do your work. Time is currency. Yes. And trust (laughs) that you are going to choose the best way to use that, those funds to keep your work going. You know, like Mm -hmm. those are the things that I hope the philanthropic world becomes more equipped to do, um, particularly being just equitable in the way they give out money. And so like, this just makes me excited because it's another way of showing like when black women in particular see some stuff they don't like, you know, like we just be like, well, I'm going to make up. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it up. You know what I mean? Um, Like what I say all the time, like we've always been innovators. We've always been inventors. We've been designing stuff since the beginning of time. And when stuff don't fit and work for us, we design a new way to make it work. And this Susu House feels like that to me. Like you you were like, "Mm, I don't like the way this look. I want to just design up something new (laughs) uh, to, to fill this gap that I'm seeing, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. the fact that you're getting to do it in a way that you really love and care about, like it's not sacrificing your values, you're not compromising who you are, like actually it's more of who you are to be able to do the work in this way, which is what I hope, um, you know, folks hearing about your story and other stories they've heard on this podcast encourages them to do like there is no one right way. There is a billion Mm -hmm. different ways you can live a free, liberated life. And sometimes this Sometimes you get in the like really wonderful sweet spot where the thing you do to bring in your money also is like brings you so much brings joy. You joy and freedom. Yeah. So and that's what I joy. hope for people that they can yeah, find. It, and and I'm being real. This is what Susu House is right now, today. Yeah. Yeah. I am also open to what it can evolve into because mm-hmm. I created this model based on what I understand yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's we will keep doing this while we got the money. So we got money for two years. All right, we giving it all away. Two years. Let's go. We got the money for 20. Great. We're giving it all away. 20 years. Let's go. We got the money for a hundred. We got the money for two. We're changing, you know, the paradigm as it, you know, relates to philanthropy. Great. Let's do it. But I'm not married to any outcome outside. Yeah of connecting people to healing resources mm-hmm. and restorative resources. So yeah. we helped two folks. We did our job. We helped 2 million. We did our job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so whatever comes, and that's my only outcome. Whatever comes from that, you know, is, is a win is a success. And mm-hmm. I had to make that my, my goal, because again, my own recovering perfectionism. perfectionism. <laughs> Needed perfectionism. And so it's still working on me. Yeah. And I, you know, I had a moment this morning. And so it's healing. I'm still healing, still, healing, yes. still recovering, still working. And, you know, um, like, I think yeah. the community aspect of this is so important, too, because I think that's what makes Susu House work. I think that's what makes the lab work. It's just this, a reminder that you're not by yourself. Um, and even, you know, a little encouragement from, 
your sister next to you, like can give you the little boosts you need to do. Like, I mean, like, let's think about the things that we've done together that I was like, oh, I'm going to hold off on doing that. And then you like, hey, I'd like to do such and such. Would you be interested? We're going to do it now. Okay. Okay. then. <laughs> like, right let's now. just put right the now. thing out there. Like we talked about last month. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the community part just creates the atmosphere for more folks to feel like they can do that. Like they can just figure out the way to put the things that they're dreaming up, you know, out into the world Um, in places like Susu House, places like the lab, you know, like they can help support you in making sure that those things become a reality. Um, Absolutely. I just hope it's Susu House that heals. Yeah. Well, thank you. I just, I hope it, I hope it helps to heal people so they feel safe enough to go try whatever yeah. that dream that's in them, right? Yeah. A lot of our stuff, we're, we're not, we can't, when you don't allow yourself to grieve, you can't heal. And when you can't heal, you can't you imagine. Can't, and when yeah. you can't imagine, you can't dream of something else. Yeah. And so I just want to create a protect, as a healer, like all I'm supposed to do is create protected space for you to figure out what tools you need to heal. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully Susu House gives space to do that for people to go realize whatever their dream maybe mm-hmm. in whatever industry it may be, be in. Yeah. because again shout out to Issa Rae we root for everybody black yeah so <laughs> we try this is this is a way to help you know help get us there yeah this was um, a great conversation and I want to close us with uh the other question I ask every guest which is um what do you want your descendants to say about you Oh, what? <laughs> what do I want my descendants to say about me? That they got all new stuff to work on. Like I, because I came and did my healing work because I believe in intergenerational trauma and I believe in like trauma being passed down. They're like, look, all the stuff we got to work on y'all is all new. Because great great grandma, auntie, so so Ashante did her healing work. <laughs> she closed out some stuff that other people hadn't healed from. She worked on mm-hmm. some of her own stuff. So we got less we need to work on right now because she did the work she needed to do in her lifetime. So we can have a freer, more liberated life. Mm-hmm. And we can start from a positive place. We can, Mm -hmm. we can start from abundance. We don't start from a deficit because she did the hard work to heal herself and who came before her. Mm -hmm. So we get Mm -hmm. a clean slate. We we get a clean slate of freedom. Mm, Yeah. Clean slate. And that, that, that's lovely. Like I feel, I love hearing what everyone (laughs) says because, you know, some people like, just, I just want them to know I love them. Some, some were like, I just want them to know that I'm, I'm, I'm riding for them, you know, like, and here also (laughs) like, I just, you know, like I want them to know I did the work. So they all got a clean slate like that. Can you imagine like no, no real major generational trauma to be clearing because someone did that work for you. Um, yeah, I that seems like a a beautiful place to have your people be a good place to uh, to imagine. Um, but yeah, this is this is I love working with you. Everybody knows it. I love like you know <laughs> what we are, the things that we've created together, and the things we're continuing to create together. Um, and I'm really excited for people to get to know you um, better um, and your work better. 
Um, and so I hope that folks will, um, by the time this airs, you would have had your like kickoff event, but I hope that folks go and visit um, the Susu House website um, and Ashante's coaching practice, the Axon group. I will have all of that stuff in the um, description at the end of this podcast, but I just want to say thank you for offering so much of who you are to this <laughs> space. Uh, you know, you are a, a, a member who came in early, early in the game and the pilot part of this. And so just really happy to have you as a part of this community as well and, 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 and watching you grow your own. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me, Jen. You're just such an inspiration. I, it, is, it is such a gift and a blessing to just know you. Just, just to know you. It's, is a gift and to call you friend is like how we got icing on the cake you're just you're kind of amazing kind of amazing so thank you sis i feel the same the feeling is mutual girl (laughs) 